Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Thank you all, thank you all. You know, I love to watch the body be the body, don't you? Because like she said, you know, sometimes we question. It's like, should I say anything? Should I not say anything? Well, you know, I mean, it's, we're here for each other. We need each other. Don't we? I love that song. That, that song always is so personal. I, I, I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. I don't want to just talk. About, you know, I don't want to talk about him. Like, even, I don't want to teach about him. You know, honestly, I feel like when I'm teaching or when I'm speaking, I, I want the focus to be on him and we're just describing attributes of him. You know, it's like the entire time you're looking at him and you're, you're noticing things about him and you're affirming who he is in you. And we're just the mouthpiece, right? We're just the, the fools dancing and running our mouths up here just to look, just to look at him. Amen. And like these guys are talking about, <clears throat> you know, you know this, this heart journey is interesting because you can't really explain how to do it. You know, it has to be caught. Uh, lots of Jesus' teachings, you know, the pe- people didn't understand that you, you either had, he'd say, he'd say something, he'd say, well, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. I hope you get it type thing, you know. If your heart's ready, you'll get it. And it's not that what we're teaching is so deep and profound and all of that. It's just like, it, it's, but, but we are talking about a spiritual walk with God that's real, not focused on phenomenal occurrences happening and, you know, what we call spiritual manifestation. We still want all of the miracle signs and wonders and all that stuff happening, but, but there's this invitation, there's this pathway to walk with God that is a new and living way that is real where you are genuinely fed and nourished and fueled by Him. And it changes you, like what Julie was saying. You know, you walk into a room, and, and people don't, they don't know. You know, I, I grew up in this community, and sometimes people find out that I'm a pastor, and they're like, that guy? Really? It might not be so hard for y'all to believe, but it's like I'm exper- I've experienced what she's saying, you know. So, but it's rooted in knowing what Jesus did, putting every ounce of our expectation, our faith, our confidence in Him. He's God. You know, it it has nothing to do with us other than us saying yes, yes, yes to Him, looking at Him and acknowledging who He is. And it changes how you see yourself. You know, it changes the understanding that you are the reason for creation. You know, it's not like God just wanted a bunch of stars and planets and birds and squirrels and dogs. Are you following me? It's like you think of everything that exists, and, and science would say there's so much out there that humankind is insignificant. How dare we think? that we are important enough to be the only ones in this universe. You're so insignificant. Look how big it is. 
And it's like, no. That actually affirms how special we are, how important we are to God. I mean, if you ever start to wonder what's going on in your life, you have to reaffirm to yourself, I am the reason this stuff exists. Because of His will. You understand? It's, you, know, you know what I'm saying. It's not a self-inflated thing. It's not a self-important mindset. It's No, it's I am going to be humble and lay down how I see myself and adopt his perspective of me. And the conclusion that we have to come to as human beings is God incredibly values us. That the entire universe is fine-tuned for you to enjoy life. You know, it's not like the, the earth is in the state that it's in, and it's really difficult for you to breathe or digest your food or enjoy relation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, think about the things that we just take for granted, how easy life actually is on this planet if we would steward it the way God created it. It's just this acknowledging this relationship, knowing our value to Him, and living within that, and, and, and making our beliefs match His will for us. That's, that's the biggest difficulty. You know, some people think, well, it sounds like that health and wealth and prosperity stuff. It's like, no, it's, it's really not about that. It's about Letting God's will be manifest through my life so that we are experiencing life the way He intended it. That's what we want, right? We want nothing but God's will in our lives. And you just look at, the, you just look at this earth and how perfectly crafted it is for us to enjoy life. That's what God wants. You know, we get so caught up wondering what's going to happen and why this happened and this didn't happen. It's like, you know what? God's ultimate will is heaven on earth, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I start there. I'm not trying to filter through all this stuff to try to get to there. I start there and then back up from there. It's like, okay, well, this is his will. This is what he wants. So God's a heart God. He's always been after the hearts of mankind. He wants us obedient from the heart. He wants us in full assurance of faith from the heart. Obedience can be two things. It can be, I've done all the laws, I've kept everything, I've done the thing because it's the right thing. Well, good for you. But did you want to? Was it a natural expression of your relationship with him? Or did you do it because you were afraid of what might happen if you don't? Did you do it because he's a holy God and he expects perfection and I must do this because it's the right thing? And it's like people don't really say it that way, but that's what's going on in their hearts a lot of times when they're talking about obedience. Absolutely he wants obedience. From the place where your natural desires and choices and thoughts are fueled by his truth by what he has done within you. And that's possible, like Julie said. You know, you just become a different person. That's the path we're on, is in the beginning when we believe, he gives us a new spirit, he gives us a new heart. We become a new creation. 
And then for the rest of our lives, we just try to let that seed birth, be, you know, be matured into the rest of our being. But it's already true of what we are spiritually. And, and I love to celebrate when you see real heart transformation. It, you know, and it, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, you can't really teach how to do it. You can't really, there are no principles. There are, there, for me, the best way I like to do it is to convince you of how much God loves you, teach you the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ so you understand legally what Jesus did for you and the kind of relationship that you're in with God. And then it's up to us to turn our hearts toward him and engage in this relationship to let the rest of the process play itself out between us and him. It's faith. It's not something that you can see. But you know it when it happens, don't you? It's just interesting. It's like words fall short to really truly describe the spiritual transformative process that we're engaged in. But it feels good when you're in that river. Amen? And then, and then you try to tell people, well, what happened? It's like, I don't really know what happened. It's, I'm different. You know, it's like I've connected with God in a way that is doing a work in me that I've tried my whole life to do this thing. And it sounds to the legalist like you're saying, well, just sit back and don't do anything. You just sit back and God's going to magically work it all out for you. It's like, no, you don't get it. You, you don't get it. You don't understand how the Spirit of God works in a human heart, in a, in a new heart, if that's where you go with it. No. It actually, once you, once you flip the switch and you're walking this new and living way with God engaged with his spirit from a place deep within your heart, and there's a confidence toward him because you know your value and you know what he did for you, you become way more productive. You produce way more fruit. God's after fruit, but he's after fruit that matches the seed that he placed in there, not what you're trying to fabricate or what you're trying to do. You know, it's a paradox. You, you are the most fruitful when you are most at rest. You know, you're the most productive or active when you're the most at peace. You just are. You do things without even thinking about it, don't you? And it's easy. You know, we, we, we have the phrase, you know, there's grace for it. Well, there's grace for that. There's grace for that. And, and that, I think that's an accurate statement. There is grace. There is grace for those things that should be natural because grace is that living, breathing power of God in you that's greater than your own strength. So, awesome. Thanks, y'all, for participating. And this, this is really, I mean, it's just all where I wanted to go today. <clears throat> like, like Tracy said, she, she, you know, and we, we hover around these ideas and these concepts a lot. But flip over to 2 Peter 1, uh, because I just want to give you some context of why we can believe this way, of why that these truths should affect every area of your life. And it can be frustrating when you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I don't get it. I don't know what you're talking about. What's going on? What? Why, why is it working for that one, but it's not working for me? God, are you going to change me like you're changing that person? You ever felt like that, and you're waiting on God to show up and do something? 
And he's like, look, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Just learn how to yield to me and my influence and watch this happen. But it's like our mindsets are such a limiting factor of what we let God do in our lives that we have to deal with our mindsets even before we pray, even before we tell others about who He is, even before we look in the mirror and make judgments about ourselves based on what we're going through. We have to rebuild our identity first in our hearts, knowing what He's done, right? So praying from a new sense of identity, speaking from a new, making job choices, making food choices. I mean, every area of life can be touched by this new identity in Christ, knowing legally the tenets of the new covenant of what transpired in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what happened in you when you became that new creation, it's good to have that information, but like Tracy said, when the rubber meets the road and it's hard, you have to stir that stuff up. You have to know how to dip into that truth from your heart to let it change you. And there are some exercises that you can do. And, and you know, meditate, meditating on the truth to the point that you let it change how you feel and think is it's a key. You know, I don't want to call it a secret, but it's vital for you, to lay, for you to lay yourself down and let yourself get into a position where you will let God work in your life. What we do is we hold on to the same feelings, the same thoughts, the same concepts, the same ideas, and we sit and we have our hard little shell around our heart, and then we look at God and we're like, God, would you please do something? And he's like, would you please let me do something? You know, I, I, there's a, um, I, I, I like the mind studies and studying about the, the physiology and all of that. By the time we're like 35 years old, we are, what we do and think and feel and talk and say and choose, it's about 95% memorized. In other words, we just go through the same motions most of our lives because it's just something that we've heard, rehearsed the feelings that we have about life, the reactions that we have to politics, the things that we say to our spouses, the, the stuff that we do in our lives, it's about 95% hardwired, memorized to just repeat the same things over and over. And daily, you have, you know, the numbers vary. What is it, 60,000 thoughts you have a day? 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you had yesterday. 90% of those feelings are the same feelings you had about those thoughts yesterday, as yesterday. And I'm not trying to say let's get into a mind over matter type thing, but it's like, no, if you want to become something different, you've got to make room in your heart and in your mind to let God build something different within you. That other 10% is choice. In other words, you have to intend, you have to make the choice to renew your mind. You have to make the choice to feel something different if you want different results in your life. And we do this rooted in the Word of God. We go to the Word of God as our source of information to build this new identity, to build this new mindset. And you do it easier than you think that you do. Does everybody know what a Snickers bar looks like? 
Can you see it in your mind? You know, what, what color is it? The wrapping, too. What color is the wrapping? What other colors are on there? Can you see it? I know, it's like, what's going, yeah, whose mouth's watering? Now, who's thinking about chocolate? Your mind is in a totally different place it was a minute ago. You weren't even thinking about food. Now you might be hungry. What if you started thinking about yourself walking out in the power of God to the degree that it changed what was going on inside of you? And you begin to see it and feel it, and it makes it real within you. It's going to drive your behaviors. Your behavior today might be you swing by the place and grab a Snickers bar on the way home because you thought about it to the point where you want one. What if you thought about the Word of God to the point where it changed what you wanted? Not just in the areas of sin, but in the areas of how you're going to treat your spouse, in the areas of how you're going to pray. I mean... 90% of what we do every day is repeated from the day before. Why don't we take the time to intentionally build our thoughts and our minds based on what God says is true? We all know what it feels like to be sad. We all know what it feels like to feel that sense of, ah, something just doesn't quite feel right. But do you know, just like you chose what you were thinking about just then, Do you know how to choose your feelings? Can you do that? Let's just do this for just a minute. Can you right now feel a sense of thankfulness? I mean, I mean, really. I don't just mean have the idea I'm, I'm very thankful, but where in your heart, in your emotions, it matches. Man, I'm thankful. You might have to pick something specific. I'm thankful for this. Carrie just got a new job. Yay for new job. She's probably incredibly thankful for the new job. Can you choose joy? What does joy feel like? Why can you choose joy? Because the Spirit of God is within you, and His kingdom is within you, and in His kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. If it's true in the kingdom, it's true now, and you can choose it at any moment. And like Stephen, you're sitting there, and they're throwing rocks at you until you die, and your inner world is experiencing nothing but graciousness toward the Lord. You know? I mean, in your job, in your marriage, can you choose who you're going to be based on who God is in you? Or are you just going to wake up tomorrow and run all those same memorized processes that you're going to run and maybe at the end of the day pick up a book and read about two and a half pages and then wake up the next day and do it all over again? You know, there, there is some psychology behind this, but we're talking about renewing your mind. Renew now your mind after your spirit. It's not strange. You know, it's not new age. 
you're supposed to renew your mind. This is what renewing your mind looks like. And when you renew your mind, you experience transformation. You think a different way, you're going to act a different way. You, you feel a different way, you're going to... All of your boundaries that, that are based on those feelings that you have about your sense of identity can begin to change when you choose joy, when you choose peace, rather than letting fear be what reigns in your heart. You'll have all these boundaries out here that are filtered through fear, and you'll make choices based on fear, based on lack, and we compromise, and we take more information from the world and stick it in our hearts and make decisions, and then we blame God for it not working out. He's like, no, I have given you, let's read this, 2 Peter 1, 2. You can put it up in the New King James. I, I forgot to come back and, and give John the scriptures that we were going over today, but um, <clears throat> grace and peace be multiplied to you. You know, you could, you could just stop and think about that one idea. From God, from the presence of God, from his very throne, grace and peace are being multiplied to you. You have the seed of grace within you. You have Christ in you. God's desire for you is that that grace be multiplied within you. And it's just like Shay said, you sit there and you get it and you realize, oh, he is, he is doing this within me. And, and, and when, it's, when, it's, when you're connected, it naturally changes those feelings, those, those desires, those emotions that you're having. But you can do a little bit of housekeeping in your heart as well, where you set the stage of the inner emotional world that you're experiencing in that moment. You clean house a little bit inside there. You deal with your thoughts in your mind, bringing those thoughts captive to what Christ was obedient to. So you're setting the stage, you're setting the table in your own heart, and you're choosing, this is what I'm going to let in my mind. This is what I'm going to let myself feel. And for the purpose of this, when you put yourself at a place of peace, because the nature of the Spirit of God is to work within you constantly and transform you and lead you and guide you, because He is for you and not against you, because all His promises are yes and amen, all of these things that are true of the character of God for you, you do a little bit of housekeeping in your mind and in your heart, you're going to set the stage and he, and you're making room for him to work in your life. And it's not that he's waiting to do it, it's that we're not co-laboring with him. The hardness of our heart will limit the degree of transformation we let him work through us. And, you know, we can't define everything about how God works. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just talking about us personally and the kind of lives we experience. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. See, this is, it's key that what you're choosing, these new thoughts, these new emotions, these feelings, that you're choosing them based on the knowledge of God and Jesus. It's the same thing that God is trying to do through the body, through all of the, 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 the offices of administration he put in place to bring us all into the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, that we all turn to Jesus to, to 
influence what we think and how we think rather than our political ideologies or what's going on in this country and I think that it should be this way and we choose that. It's like, no, let's start with Jesus first. Let's affirm who we are. Like we talked about last week, there's a kingdom within each and every believer. And like Abraham was looking for that city that was built without hands and they saw that city in the eyes of Moses. That city of God is in you. You are the living, moving, breathing city dwelling place of God on this planet. And we have to look inside of each other's eyes and see it. You know, if I'm looking for God, I'm not looking out here waiting for him to show up in my circumstances. It's in me. I have to recognize it's in me. Jesus said that. They said, well, where's your kingdom? He said, well, it doesn't come with outward observation. Oh, well, you're not going to look around and see it. Isn't that interesting? It's in you. So, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us, uh, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Promises is what we have from God. That through these, we would be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then he goes on to talk about fruit. But we are a partaker of his nature, not just in behavior. Like this is not a performance thing. This is not talking about sin per se, although it addresses that. We're a partaker of his nature, not just in behavior, but also in the quality of life. The promises aren't laws. Like the context of the relationship that God has put us in is he's made us promises for this life. It's not a list of rules and laws for this life. I, you know, sometimes I have to make sure it makes sense. I, you know, we just have to trust that the Holy Spirit's teaching and the He's the teacher, amen? It's not that we're saying we throw the law out. It's just that, no, we live it from the place. We live out our obedience in believing in what he wants for us and making choices that are consistent in that direction. He didn't have to make promises, right? He could have said, this is what you're supposed to do. After Jesus is living within us, we know how to follow God naturally because he's given us a new heart that has his commandments. So the way that God will cause you to follow him and be obedient is to give you these promises. And as you experience these promises, you will naturally live out of obedience toward him. To be a partaker of his divine nature. And then 2 Corinthians 1.20. So key in this is that he's given us great and precious promises that we would be a partaker of his divine nature. 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God. See, when you experience the promises that God has made to you, he gets glory. You're sitting there thinking, what are the promises? Well, there's like 3,000 of them. There might even be a little book in the bookstore that covers... <laughs> It covers a couple hundred of them. It's all right. It's all 
<laughs> Verse 21. Now, see, this is, this is a key part of it. Now, he who establishes us, you could say together, right? It's him who establishes us in Christ and has anointed us in God. See, the word anointing here is been given his spirit. An anointing is an approval of God. I approve of you to function this way. God has anointed you to experience his promises. God approves of the new heart that he's put within you and sealed you to experience his promises. And when you do that, you're partaking of his nature and he is glorified. See, it's just, it's rebuilding how we think about what he wants to do in our lives and how he's working through us. And then he solidifies it with this idea. Verse 22, 2 Corinthians 1.22. Who has also sealed us. See, you are safe in God. Say, I'm safe in God. He has sealed you. Just like in the boat when Noah and his family were in that boat and God shut the door from the outside and sealed it himself and protected them on the inside. You have been placed with Christ in God and sealed with the Spirit, protected. That's where you live. That's your identity. Everything else is outside of that truth. You have to affirm where you are in Him. I'm in the boat. I'm in God. And I'm in there because I'm one with Christ, and Christ is safe in God. Christ is part of God. And so He's made us these promises so that we, in this world, experience that connection and that nature being connected, sealed with His Spirit as a guarantee that the promises are yours. Not, again, you know, not so you can have a Bugatti and drive up a golden driveway into a 10,000-square-foot mansion. It's not about that. It's about experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy, abundance of life on this planet because that's the way God wants it. It's His will for you to experience life and not death, joy and not sorrow, peace and and not fear. We have to choose these sometimes, right? You have the ability and the capacity to choose the realities of heaven within you to the degree that they change how you feel. And when you change how you feel based on His truth, you will see the world differently. You will make choices differently. When you, are, when you are doing the labor to let the environment of heaven rule your mind and your heart, you will think like he thinks and you'll see the world like he sees the world and you will choose as if he's living through you. You say no to sin. You say yes to righteousness and holiness. You say no to fear and you say yes to confidence in him. Because that's the way he wants it. He made these promises. And watch this. This is the last passage here. This is going to be 1 John chapter 3, 
starting in verse 20. We're going to go through 24. 1 John 3, 20 through 24. Watch what happens when this, this whole heart aspect of living with God takes shape. And watch how the legalist could read it, and then watch how the, the renewed identity in Christ reads it. The legalist reads it from the outside looking in. The new identity perspective, perspective reads from the inside out. And just see, for if our heart condemn us, God's greater than our heart and knows all things. Next verse. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, see, condemnation is the expectation of judgment. If you're feeling condemned, you're fearful that something bad's going to happen, either from God or in this world. Sometimes when you have these heart transformations and you start experiencing a greater peace than you ever have, there's that element in the back of your mind that's going to think, oh, wait a minute, it can't be this good. Something's going to happen. I can't let myself have this much joy because if something's, it's not right. Something's going to happen. That is condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if your heart doesn't condemn you, if you aren't looking for the dark lining in the cloud. If you aren't saying, yeah, but you watch when it rains, it pours. Here it comes. The shoe's going to drop. There is no other shoe. Yeah, there is no no other shoe. (laughs) When your heart's not doing that to yourself, and that's a choice of letting him establish you in Christ in the knowledge of God and of Christ. Watch. This is... This is just the Bible, okay? I'm just going to read a couple scriptures here. If your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence in... Really, this is what faith is. Faith is just confidence toward God. Faith is giving credit to Jesus that what He did is sufficient for your salvation. I'm giving you, Jesus, credit for me being saved. That's faith. And I'm confident that I'm safe in that. That's faith. When your heart is confident toward God, watch. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. What? Now, this is where that legalistic external perspective versus that righteous internal connected with God and understanding what covenants are or commandments are. So you have a new heart, the commandments for you are that you know naturally how to follow God. You know the best way to live on this planet. A commandment for you is not, this is what you're supposed to do to reap a blessing, or this is what you're supposed to do to please God. That's not what commandments are for you. Commandments for you are this. The wisdom of God manifests in that situation for you to choose His precepts. You see the difference? The commandments of God. And then he, then he defines it. It's all wrapped up in this. And Jesus, this is just a different way. This guy was paying attention when they asked Jesus, what's the most important law? And he says, well, love God, love one another. You see it manifest again in this teaching here. Because we keep his commandments. So, in other words, when your heart is confident toward God, whatever you ask, you receive from him. 
Now, see, let me just put a little caveat in there. When your heart is confident toward God, you're only going to want to desire the things that He would lead you to desire. That's part of the transformative process. This doesn't mean that, bless God, I'm confident. Give me my Cadillac. Yeah, it just doesn't really work that way unless God is leading you to desire a Cadillac. You, you see what I'm saying? It's not just, you don't just flip back into the flesh here and think, oh, I'm, I'm really confident in God. Where's my bag of money, you know? No, it's talking about a deep transformation where deep within you, your heart desires what he would lead you to desire. So you will reap the, the, the blessing of what you're asking for because a confident heart toward him is in agreement with his heart for you. And that is a beautiful place to live, I'm telling you. It is an amazing place. It's an effortless place to live where you are content with whatever. Doesn't mean you just accept circumstances, but you're just at peace because you know you're one with him and you will follow him. That kind of heart receives whatever it asks for because it's only going to ask for what God wants for you. That's possible. Your life can look like that. Because we keep his commandments. So the confidence comes from keeping his commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. See there? I got to do the right thing to make him happy. Well, let's keep reading. This is the commandment. Thank you. Oh, thank you that you kept writing that. That we should believe. Not do. Believe. See, the believing drives the doing that we believe on the name or the authority or the power or the accomplishments of Jesus. This is what a name means. It's not just, oh, his name is Yeshua. It's everything that he represents and everything that he has authority over. In other words, the person of Jesus being the supreme being that is the head of all principality and power, that in him you are righteous, that in him you are forgiven. These are the things that, we, that you believe when you believe on the name of the Son of God. When you believe on the name of Jesus, you are believing that in him you are above the power of sin because grace is alive within you. These are the things that you believe. Not just, I know who Jesus is. Huh? Because we have his name. We are joint heirs with him. So... That's the commandment. Your heart is confident when you believe that Jesus is who he is. It produces a confidence within you that creates such a transformation deep within you that everything about you gets rebuilt into this new identity of Christ in you. You need confidence. You want faith to work in your life. You want grace to work in your life. Believe who Jesus is. King, ruler, Lord, good, and only good. Having taken the time to empty himself of his divinity and come into this earth as a human, as you, and die as you, and exchange every aspect of darkness that is within you on that cross. This is believing on the name of Jesus having passed through that grave and conquered death and rose again and conquered the enemy and turned back towards you with his blood and said, this is your righteousness. This is what you're believing. 
name of Jesus, that it produces such a confidence within you that you live in such a way where what comes out of you is what God is inspiring because you are one and you experience everything that he has for you. I mean, it's just such a beautiful journey of walking. I'm going to switch to the guest mic. I think we were going, were we going through 24. And, and this is a commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Love one another. You know, we just spent the last three weeks or so talking about the love one another part. I hope we're actually seeking to do that. And not just because it's an obligation. Loving one another produces confidence in your heart, which puts you in that place of re receiving what you ask for. I mean, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a, what am I looking for? Formula that you work. It's like, I'm going to love you. Now God's got to give me what I ask for. Because we do that. We, we, we try to justify what we think God owes us based on our behaviors. You ever done that? God, I did this. I gave all this money. Now I'm broke. <laughs> well, that's the, way it, that's the way it works if you're thinking carnally about your money. It makes no sense to give away your money but, and then receive more than you give. But spiritually, what you're doing is you're, che you're teaching your heart to trust God. That's why you give. Well, you give because you believe in the work of whatever that ministry is that you're given to. You believe that it's producing fruit. But on the inside, what it should be doing is teaching you to trust him, not in money. I've got this money. I'm going to give it away because this money is not my Lord and my God. I give it away. I'm making room for my heart to trust God to be my provider. Verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. See, the inner witness of the Spirit of God affirming our identity in him and in that covenant is something that the church is missing on some levels. We're missing how to be influenced by the Spirit. You know, we're more influenced by the Word, and that's a good thing. We're more influenced by what's preached but there is this inner witness that you can be attuned to in such a real way, a non-mystical way, a non-churchy way. I was praying for our new president-elect, and this concept popped into my mind that it's possible for someone to be led by God but not use the same language as you. Like, we want particular words to come out of people's mouths to set us at peace. And I'm not just talking about, it's not, it's not just a political stuff. I'm not just talking about Trump. I'm talking about other people, other believers, other pastors, other denominations. Maybe they don't use the same language. Did you, are you, did that make sense to you? So I pray, I pray that we do, we take the time to not just repeat the same 90% of ourselves over and over again that's just programmed because of what we've experienced in our lives, but you take time to meditate on what a Snickers bar looks like in the kingdom. <laughs>
In other words, what are the things that you have a legal right to experience in your life that are true and exist in a reality that is the kingdom of heaven within you? Like you have no doubt that you can drive right down the street to the Kroger and walk in there and go and pick up a Snickers bar and pay for it and buy it and walk out and eat it. You might even be eating it before you walk out. We should have that level of confidence that the joy that exists in the kingdom, we can make a choice for that to be a reality in our lives. For the provision that God has in this place called the kingdom that's in you, that you choose that and it's a reality for you. Because it's true spiritually now already. It is the very character of God. He says, I am your provider. That's real. That is who he says he is. Place your confidence in who he says he is. And you will experience the reality of it. Amen? And not just think about it, but let yourself feel the reality of it. Because then you will make room in your heart to let him build things within you. Amen? Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the seal of your spirit in our hearts. Thank you for making us these great and precious promises so that we could partake of your nature, so that we could partake of life in you, so that we could live your life on this planet. Christ is abiding in us and he's living through us and we are alive because he is living. God, we do, we make room in our hearts and in our minds and we may not intellectualize the process. We may not get a word. We may not get a vision, but we trust that your spirit is alive and active and working within us. Even in this moment. Even when it seems like nothing is happening, the roots are growing. The fruit is maturing. And I keep my confidence on you. I I keep my eyes focused on you and who you are. And I acknowledge those realities in my mind and in my heart. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my peace. And you're my wisdom. Amen.